Hi, welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We're very glad you're joining us today and we hope this message inspires you, builds your faith and encourages you in the things of God. Enjoy the message. Pastor Mike, you're very welcome. How are you, brother? I'm doing very well, Pastor Nick. Good to see you. Good to see Pastor Stephen. Very excited to be a part of this. Hey, Mike. <laughs> so. it's, it's, it's great to see you. Man, what's going on with that hair, first of all? Is, is, that, is, that, is that the real deal, or is that a wig? Or is that, it looks like That's, a mullet from here. Are you going back to the 80s, or what's happening? Uh, it's a real deal. It's, uh, it's my COVID response. So this kind of happened through the COVID season. And yeah, so haven't gotten to cut it just yet, but everybody's telling me it's got to be done. And I think Beth at night, my wife, she goes to bed with a pair of scissors ready to cut it off. So, <laughs> <laughs> Someone, there's a rumor going around that you're after taking a Nazarite vow, you know, that you're, you're getting into some, some of that Jewish stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I like to try to make it that religious, but I just, yeah, just haven't gotten to it yet. Soon, I promise, and we'll get there. Well, listen. Let's. Do you, let's you don't do donations, do you? You don't do donations of hair or anything. There's, there's no uh, generosity there, is there? Uh, I, I know there's all that type of stuff, but the only donation I'm probably going to do is have people pay for me to actually cut it. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Well, yeah, yeah. Steve is looking for like transplant. You know what I mean? That's what's going on there. You know. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> It'll happen in the new heaven and the new earth. You've got to get a whole new head in the new heaven, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think somebody growing their hair like that is so insensitive to those follically challenged individuals. It's not fair. It's really well, not. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I only think i got a few years left, and then I might be going the same path. So yeah. uh, so I'm trying to get it out now and enjoy it before before I start losing it. Steve, so, Steve okay. do, you think that he, do you think he's actually out to hair shave you? Do you think that's what's going on here? <laughs> Yeah, it just doesn't care about about those baldies at all. Praise <laughs> uh, the Lord. Well, listen, let's let's let me give our listeners a little bit of background to 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 Pastor Mike. Um, I got to meet him many many years ago when he would just come to the Lord, and uh, he came over on a missions trip to Ireland. I can't remember. Would that be how many years? Mike, ten years more? Gosh, probably two thousand and two. Something oh, like that, oh, 2002. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Well, there you go. 2002. And he just come through for the Lord and um, had some of his struggles at the time. But it had a wonderful testimony. Might give us a little nutshell of that testimony and how you eventually ended up going to Bible school and where you are now today and, and all the troubles that you have as a result of those decisions. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a crazy little bit of a story, but try to abbreviate it the best that I can. You know, I was, uh, I suffer from some pretty heavy anxiety and fear really early on in life. I, I think my mom kind of noticed it even when I was around like six years old, I would actually worry or be anxious about Santa not bringing me any toys because I wasn't good enough, but, but way beyond the normal level. And I'd start asking questions around 10 or so about how to make life work and how do you support yourself and what do you do when you buy houses? I was just so anxious about life in general. And my mom noticed how bad it was. But as it went on, long story short, in my high school years, it got so bad, I actually couldn't eat food or water for about eight months straight because my stomach would just turn it up from all the anxiousness and anxiety and, and fear. And uh, I, had I had all types of feedings with uh, IVs, and they wanted to do feeding tubes and all this type of stuff. And uh, anyways, my parents tried everything to fix it. Uh, I've been in all types of mental institutions. I've been at John Hopkins down by uh, Maryland, D.C. down there, trying to find the resources to fix this. And, and eventually had a breakdown, moved out to Los Angeles, said, I just don't want to deal with life anymore. I'm going to start over. I was living on the East Coast in New Jersey. And, um, yeah, just to kind of speed it all up, I went to go take a shower one morning, and the presence of God literally fell in the bathroom. It just came down. And the only way I could describe it, I've tried my best to describe it. I had a close friend who was able to put words to it as we were in a conversation. He said, uh, and he just hit the nail on the head. It, it felt almost like honey falling on my body, just the presence of God. It was just cleansing. It was the first time I felt peace. My heart was just at rest. My mind mm -hmm. was at rest. And I never experienced that. I never knew what that was. Mm -hmm. And I fell down on the ground in the shower. And I think for three hours, it was just weeping. Just weeping. Wow. 
And got oh. out of that experience, ended up moving from L.A. to New York, where I was accepted into a photo program at a, a school called School of Visual Arts. And started getting back into my old lifestyle, ended up on the curbs of bars, just crying myself literally all night long, and didn't know what else to do. And then through uh, a roundabout way, was invited to Times Square Church in New York City, and ended up at the church. And God just started coming down and started revealing himself more and more. And I actually ended up in Pastor Neil Rhodes' office. I think you guys have had Pastor Neil on a few times. And yeah. he started just present the gospel to me, but he presented it through covenant in a way that I've never seen it before. He started speaking a little bit more of the legality of salvation, how it was done legally and justly by God, how bound God was to my life because of the way he did it through the high courts of heaven and through his son, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he's bringing all this out. And I never heard the gospel like this in my whole life. I'm sitting here saying, well, I've heard Jesus died, but I thought it because he just did it because he's good and there's a love and, and all that's true. But I never saw the judicial side of it. And yeah. how bound God was. And when I understood that, mm. that's when faith rose up in my heart. That's when I started breaking into prayer like never before. That's when I started relying on the Holy Spirit and the promises of God. And it was just one chain breaking after another. It was one change happening after another. And next thing I know, I'm on a mission trip to Ireland. And I think that's the first time, Pastor Nick, I, I met you. And um, from there, I tell people all the time, I'm, I'm a full-blooded, 100% Italian boy. And my formative years of Christianity was really a bunch of Irish men discipling me because I was coming back and forth from <laughs> Ireland. I know I, I'd watch Pastor Stephen in the church, and he was kind enough to take me out to meals and pour into me. And I, I know you, Pastor Nick, have opened up your own kitchen table. We've had plenty of conversations. And all those formative years really came from Cork Church and the churches in Ireland. So, you know, oh, wow. I'm out in Colorado Springs now. I'm serving and leading a church of about a thousand people. And I tell people all the time that that's really the fruit of Ireland and what you guys had invested into me. So, Praise God. Praise you know. God. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? Uh, and I know Steve will agree that when you do come into a revelation of the covenants, the new covenant or the new Testament, the confidence that grows in your heart, because really it's a confidence issue. If you don't understand the covenant, it's, it sounds like it's too good to be true. So therefore it's not true. You understand? And it's nearly Christianity is presented in some sort of Disney world type of narrative where it's about your emotion and feeling sorry, feeling bad first and then feeling sorry and then feeling sorry for Jesus. And, you know, it's nearly carried on a melancholic uh, sort of expression. But all of a sudden you're presented with this truth of truths of the covenant of grace. That's not just, not just mm. uh, as you said, uh, on legal terms, but it's forensically legal, right? down to right. God has got everything, every possibility is plugged through this covenant no it's it's airtight and uh you see if you remember those days when we started to come into new covenant oh i do surely i do surely i remember remember just what you you said pastor mike you know about how faith just builds in your heart when you hear um how, how christ has has completely snookered all our best efforts and mm. and nothing but then deliver to us a complete package that covers everything from our weaknesses to our sins to our future to our past everything is covered in this and um it's just so faith building and freeing up long last you're free from your you're free to to go beyond your own weaknesses and inabilities Ugh, it's 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 so liberate, so liberating, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Mike, uh, Mike, do you, uh, there's one thing that we, but people don't realize in your testimony. I know there's a lot more to it, but all the way through your journey, you had a praying mother, because I know your mama yeah. very very well, and so this wasn't in some sort of um, vacuum. You know, there was there was. There was this journey of faith that you, I, I believe that you where you are today, uh, mostly because of your mom's prayers. I have to be candid mm -hmm. with you. I think, mm -hmm. I think she walked an incredible journey with you. Uh, we were delighted to be able to share that journey in some part because uh, we'll talk about the Irish connection a bit more later on because people will have en will enjoy that. But you did have a mom that that really sought the Lord for you, didn't she? During those very very trying times, because you had a this was a, this was your anxiety levels. And your story is very real. And it's a, it's a story that I'd like you to talk a little bit more, Mike, because we have a lot of mental illness here. Are people And now coming it, with this COVID, we have a lot of people dealing with anxiety and fear. And, sure. uh, and, and the sources can be very 
difference. Your source could be one, one thing might trigger your anxiety and something else might trigger someone else's anxiety. But the amazing thing about it is that there is a one-size-fits-all to fix it, you know, and because um, it, it is really an encounter with God at the end of the day that men and women have to have. And that's not a bumper sticker. That has to be a reality. Christianity cannot just be about, you know, words, but but it but has to be a demonstration of power as well. So maybe you just share a little bit about your mom and, and again, maybe share some aspects of people who are dealing with anxiety today, you know, some catalysts of that you may be able to reach for that might you might share with them. I think it would be a great help for us. Sure. Yeah. 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 I wanted to get that in there with my mother because she was definitely the one that brought me all the way through. So I did have a praying mom. Um, she went through, um, you know, H-E double hockey sticks and back trying to help me through what I was going through, you know. Um, and I was around a lot of different friends at the time, and it seemed like all of us were just struggling somewhere. So I had friends who were dabbling in drugs and had died through that process when I was going through my anxiety. Um, I had a young girlfriend that was living with us back in the home. I, I wasn't saved, but my parents took her in, and she had a disease called cystic fibrosis, where her lungs really with mucus. It was genetic disorder, and she had a death sentence. So at 23 years old, she died actually in my house, in my home. Wow. My mm -hmm. mom led her to the Lord through the process. She's, she's taken her to all the hospital visits. Her family had abandoned her. She led her to the Lord. And then another good friend of mine, that, that another Christian family uh, that I went to youth group with, he, he was killed in a motorcycle accident around the same time. So there was this death around me that was kind of happening that my mom was watching. I'll never forget it. She was praying so hard and she was so overwhelmed that she herself ended up in the hospital. And my, myself and my dad went to go see her and the doctors and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with my mom. They kept on saying, I, we just can't figure this out, and we don't know. And one of the doctors finally came in, and the doctor said this. He said, I think what she's suffering from, because she couldn't breathe, and she was just overwhelmed, and she was just utterly exhausted and broken. He said, what I think she's suffering from is a broken heart. Mm. I think she's just shattered from the stress, and she's just shattered from what she's just walked through, through losing this young girl, Jackie, through my friend, Jared, who died in the motorcycle, through friends who were dying on drugs, to myself, who was suicidal and anxious driven. And literally, I was 120 pounds at almost six foot. I mean, I literally was like a stick because I couldn't eat. So and she went through all that. And she and there was days, literally days where she was physically Standing on God's word, she didn't know what else to do. She said, just standing on the word, put the word of God on the ground and stand on it and just keep praying. And she's just praying and praying and praying and praying. And the Lord told her when I went to L.A., when I had that experience with God, this is what the Lord said. I'll never forget it. The Lord told her, let him go because this will be his road to Damascus. I'm going to knock him off his horse and I'm going to reveal myself to him. So she released me not knowing if I was going to come back or not knowing if there was going to be a call that I was dead realistically it was that it was that severe mm. the anxiousness the suicide and everything else and the lord just really showed up and when i moved back to new york and i got back into my old ways and ended up at the bars and on the street corners just crying myself to sleep and all that stuff what was interesting is there was about 10 families from times square church that had migrated out of the city to new jersey right where i lived on this lake that i grew up and my mom somehow ran into them through a grocery store meeting with one of them or something. And they invited her to a prayer meeting that they were having every week. And they were storming heaven for me together before I had my meeting with Pastor Neil. And I went to church and mm -hmm. I learned about covenant and I was set free. So all this prayer support for so long um, really is the key that finally broke through. And she, what I, my mom never gave up, and I can't believe it, because it was years and years and years and years and years of this battle, and she just wouldn't let go. And at the time, my mm. father was not following the Lord, so she's the only Christian in the home. She's it. And she's still not letting go, and she's trusting God. And she really brought me all the way through. And, um, yeah, so I'm here today, and I thank God for that. And, yeah. and I still deal with Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, any moms that are watching, just don't give yeah. up, you know, and just don't give up and standing and, and believing and, and then letting go when the Spirit tells you to let go. Because there's another aspect you just touched in your dad, Ronnie, who I know is a good friend of mine. Your mom, Sylvia, and Ronnie are great friends of myself and Catherine. But I remember you, uh, because of your, your illness as a young man growing up, you, you put an awful lot of strain on the family, not because you intended that you were dealing with something major. Sure. And your dad, your dad 
you know, dad, you found it hard to relate to your dad at the time and your dad did everything he could relate to you. And his way of relating to you was kind of giving you things because he wasn't, he was a working man. He went out there, he, he, he provided well for his family, but didn't know how to really engage you from what I remember. But how God really, because I, I watched your life as a young, young man coming into Cork. And I know you spent nearly a year here in an internship, um, but to see what the Lord was doing, not just in your own life, but. Uh, it's a phenomenal story for moms and dads that are watching on because the Lord can restore the years that the locusts have taken. You know, you think that I'm never getting these years back with my father, my, my teenage years. But when the Lord brought your dad, you know, it, right back to Calvary, brought you uh, back and brought you together. There was a, there's a phenomenal family bond now that is just, you know, unsinkable. But you just share with moms and dads that are watching because sometimes parents are watching they think it's all gone. And sometimes even siblings or children watching thinking, oh, well, my dad was just unrelatable and, and, and I have given up on it. You know, they've given up on their family yeah. unit and they shouldn't give up on their family unit. They should fight for their families and love their families and believe God for them because you are, a, a tremendous uh, uh, example of that. So share a little bit about your dad's journey with you. Yeah. So my dad, I always say, uh, was kind of born out of time. So he would have been the Vietnam era, but he really is more along the mindset and the personality of like the World War II man. Very quiet. He doesn't engage with people. He's not relational. But if there's a job to be done, he goes and gets it done. And that's done. just who my father was. And me being a little bit more, I tell people I'm, I'm a heavy thinker, but I'm more a feeler. That's how God made me. I, I, I'm very deep in my thinking. You know me, Pastor Nick. I read tons of books, but the way I relate to God and I relate to people is through feelings. I, I, I'm a feeler. I, I need that. And I couldn't connect with my dad. And my mom couldn't connect with my dad. In fact, they almost got divorced. You know, when I was very young, they were on the brink of getting divorced. And... Um, I was on the brink of suicide. I don't think people know that the depth of how bad it really was. I mean, I was on every antidepressant you could possibly imagine. Prozac, wow. Zoloft. I was on Paxil, all types of mixtures. I was on every medication. And there would be days that I woke up and there was no vital signs because I just wasn't eating anymore. My mom would have to call the ambulance. They'd come and take me in an ambulance. They would talk about helicopter lifts because they couldn't get my, my breathing right. I mean – it just every day you didn't know what was going to happen. And I was very suicidal. So, you know, my family came from a place of almost divorce. They have a young man who's suicidal. is an absolute mess. They can't fix it, you know, and all around them is this death happening with all these friends of mine and things, situations. And yeah, so my dad, after I got saved and started walking with the Lord, he, he didn't want me to go to Bible school. He didn't want me to continue on this path because he wanted me to be able to support a family. He didn't feel like there was money in ministry. And so we didn't collide head on, but I knew he wasn't happy with what I was doing. But it was actually my time in Ireland. He came and took a visit and he was there visiting. And, and I was there one evening and I was asked to share at a young adult meeting. And I'll never forget it. He came to the young adult meeting because I was there and I start sharing. And as I'm sharing, he begins to weep. He starts crying. And my dad never cries. My dad, I, he, I've never seen the man cry in my whole life. This is yeah, this yeah. is an Italian guy. I mean, this is a big <laughs> Italian, black sunglasses, full yeah. chains. Yeah. Like, yeah. And he's in tears. And so I yeah. finished the message and I'm done. I don't say anything about it. I never really talk about those things with my family. But as they were getting on the plane to leave, I asked my mom and I said, you know, what was with dad up in that young adult meeting. And she, she said it. She said, you know, I didn't know. He left and I went after him. And when I found him downstairs, I asked him what was going on. And he said, that young man right there that is speaking, I don't know who that is. God had done such mm. a radical change in my life. He, he couldn't deny the reality of God. I mean, he was so overwhelmed with it. And so for a long time, God was just dealing with my own heart. And it finally got to a point where God was just telling me, you, you have to forgive your father and thank him for what he's done in your life. And I remember I was coming back from Bible school. And we were driving together after this whole experience. And I just looked at my dad. My dad owns some property out in New Jersey. He works as a construction, an excavator. He does site development. He has a bunch of machinery and equipment. And we're just driving, looking at the building and the machinery and everything. And I just turned to him. I said, you know, Dad, I don't know if I've ever really just thanked you for all that you've ever done. You know, you've always provided for me. You sent me to school. You put clothes on my back. You, you put food on my table. I just said, you know, 
I know you're not perfect. I'm not perfect, but I just want to say thank you and just want you to know that I love you. And first time anything like that's ever been said between us, right? Yeah. And, and from there, the relationship just grew. He got wonderfully saved. You know, we started spending more time talking. And and the crazy part here's the crazy part. My number one supporter in ministry today is my dad. Mm. If I'm Hallelujah. Still- financially or I'm going through something or I don't have money for my kids to be able to do something because, you know, as a pastor, you're limited in what you have, your funds. My dad jumps in and he pays the bill for me. And he says, I do it. He says it all the time because I'm supporting the kingdom of God. We are your support for your ministry. And it's amazing. And it's my mom and my dad came and visited out Colorado a little while ago. And and I asked my mom to come up on stage to pray. We, we pray a lot in the church. I said, would you pray? My mom is a prayer warrior. So I said, come and pray, lead us in prayer. And I'm up there and she's up there. She's praying and I'm standing by her with my hands raised in a place of agreement. The whole church is praying. And I open my eyes and I could see my father in the back, just weeping, just weeping. Well, we're my whole family. Now, listen to me, my dad is supporting my mom was praying. I'm up there leading. The whole family is doing ministry together. Yeah. And, and the, the relationship's amazing. I, I talked to my dad, and, and it has been completely restored. Not only restored, but the fruit that was lost all those years. We have conversations. We chat. We can connect in ways we never connected before. And uh, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. Yeah. So, it's wonderful, Pastor Mike. You know, I, I think that, that parents listening today, Parents who have their own struggles, parents who are maybe disappointed with themselves, with with each other, uh, can draw a lot of encouragement from that. God hears the prayer, perfect people and answers, you know, and and he's at work. He's at work even when we can't see it. It's lovely. It's lovely. Let me just say this. I, I want parents to know this who are listening. My parents did everything wrong. They made every mistake. They enabled me when they should have said no to me, right? They Mm. didn't help when they shouldn't have helped in in certain areas, like when they were trying to be harsh, not harsh, but put a line down. I'm just saying they got it all, (laughs) they got it all wrong. Everything was wrong, but they prayed and they were honest about their mistakes, especially my mom. And they just kept on seeking the Lord and God's grace covers all of that for the honest heart. You know, I, I, mm. see, Mike. That's, that's what I believe. I, I, I solidly believe that all God is looking from us is honesty. I desire honesty in the inward parts, and not to kind of hide our failures or to try to indemnify them or to try to argue about them. It's just that this is who I am, and I think it's the heart of your mom and dad. Your mom and dad loved you, even though she might have enabled you. She said, you know, and your dad might have enabled you. They loved you, and and the heart was right. But the things they did weren't necessarily very wise at times. Like many parents, I'm a parent. And I was just sharing with Pastor Steve the other day that this, this regrets my own uh, life growing up, rearing my own children as a minister. You know what I mean? Getting so busy with other people's children and lives that you neglect your own family altar from time to time and input in your children. But my heart was for them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I know today that the Lord has got my back with my children. You know, three of them are fully fledged for the Lord. One is working on his testimony, but the relationship is fantastic between me and him. And uh, so, you know, I, I agree with that completely. And I love you sharing this because this is, Mike, you might not realize this, or maybe you do realize this, this is more important than doctrine to most people today because most people live in families, they have tensions, they have difficulties, and they don't know how to deal with them. And they think that after a period of time, everything's lost and I'm not getting it back. And, and your testimony today is giving hope to so many people. It's not over. You can win it all yeah. back, you know, and keep praying, stay honest, stay soft-hearted, and the Holy Spirit will come and he'll right-side it. But let, let's just go back a little bit because I love this. I love talk, chatting your testimony with us. Um, your journey into Bible school, I remember you, you asking me about that when you were in Ireland, and it that was a, you know, your dad was right, you know. I, I have so many young people that we've put through Bible school here at Cork, and we saw others go to the States. And, uh, you know, the moms and dads are watching at all the same fears. Oh, my son, you know, they'll never have enough, mo- enough money. They'll, they'll never be able to provide. And, and, and when they'd come and share that with me as well, they'd say, well, my dad doesn't really want me to go to Bible school. And, 
and, and I won't be able to provide for my family. In the back of my mind, I'm battling it myself because I would love them like my own children, these, t- these young men and women, that I want them to succeed. I don't want any of them to fail. And I'm thinking back, you know, there is no money in this. There's, you're, just not, you're just going to be poor. But inside, I've proven God myself. You've proven them, and Steve and others, that, that when you step into what God calls you to be and do, there is a supernatural economy. And even moms and dads have to see that. You know, um, and so yeah. I, I think just share a little bit about that journey into Bible school and maybe some of the because there's some watching today, they're, they're going to they may not go to Bible school, but they're called into the life of the church, which means that Mike, they're going to not earn as much money as they could have, maybe cut down their hours, cut down their days, stipend themselves, tent make because of the call of God in their life. Uh, and yet, God is no man's debtor. If you're called, go share a little bit about your call. Yeah, uh, that was a hard one. And, uh, you know, I kind of blame you, Pastor Nick, to be 100% honest. (laughs) You were involved a little bit in that process. And every once in a while, I'm having a hard day in ministry. I give you a call and let you know I'm not really happy with you. But but with that said, uh, yeah, so I I graduated from photography school, School of Visual Arts. And um, God had really blessed blessed me in that school. The school is set up with uh, every one of the teachers and professors are actually working professionals in the field. That's how the school kind of works. So the whole idea is you're paying more for the connections than you are for the education. You you just want to get in front of some of these guys and show them you have what Mm. it takes. And, And by God's grace, he really blessed a lot of the work that I was doing. And through that, a lot of these professors already started giving me work or sending me to different art directors or shooting for different magazines before I even graduated. So I, I had these connections. Um, and when I got out uh, through a roundabout way, I think, Pastor Nick, you and I, are, are, our paths kind of collided again. And uh, you were out vacationing in New Jersey and visiting Times Square Church and some of the pastors. And I was out there kind of living and going into New York to do some of the work. And I think we had about a week together. And through that, you know, you really felt it would that there was a call on my life and, you know, ministry school would be a, a good option. And, and I think I applied at Mount Zion and now summit international ministry school. I think I applied on a Wednesday and I was accepted on a Friday and had to be at the school Monday. That's how quick everything <laughs> happened. To me. I remember that was right. Yeah, I remember. It, was, it was such a shift because you know, yeah. this, the school is set up more like a three-year fast at the time that I went. So, you know, there's no outside influences. You can't go anywhere. You can't date. You know, there's no electronics. You, you're there to pray. You're there to know the voice of God. You're there to spend time in the Word. You're there to get your, your education. And so it was such a cultural shift for me coming from the, the fast-paced New York lifestyle to that. And I found it very difficult. I think I lasted about three days before I left. And I, I actually left the school and the presence of God came down as soon as I walked out the gate and I just started crying uncontrollably because I knew I was leaving the will of God. I sensed it. Mm. I knew it and ended up back in the school about three or four days later. I came back and hunkered down and got through the three years. And, and the crazy part is I never thought fully that I was actually called into ministry. Um, I, I, I got to the school and everybody knew you know, famous pastors and they knew worship CDs and they knew, they knew all this stuff. And my whole scope of Christianity was just Times Square Church. I didn't know anything outside of that. I didn't know, you know, Hillsong. I didn't know all these different big organizations. I, I didn't know what YWAM was. I had no clue. So I'm sitting in the school and I'm listening to people talk about this and I'm listening to them quote scripture and I'm thinking in my mind, I'll never be like this. I don't, I'm so far behind the curve. I, I'm not, you know, I, I don't, and I would, I would be, so I went three years and I never expected to be in full-time ministry. I kind of went because I went because I felt like everybody else saw something that I didn't see, but I knew it was God. I just didn't know why. So I was there three years thinking I'm going to finish this and then try to get back into photography or get back to just figure out how to live a life or whatever I'm going to have to do next. And after those three years uh, through, through a total God miracle, um, I ended up serving at World Challenge with Pastor Gary Wilkerson. I ended up coming on at Springs Church as a youth pastor, and then ultimately ended up being led into a senior pastor position. Um, but I was the last guy for the candidacy. Like you didn't want me, and 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 you know you can see it with the long hair and everything else. I, I I'm not 
I'm not of that mold. I'm something totally different, you know? And, and for that reason, it, it was hard for me adjusting because I didn't know if God could use me the way I am, you know, and, and yet God has. And I, and I will say financially, I've learned this. Uh, yeah, you're not going to have the type of finances you'd have if you ran after a career. That's for sure. Um, but I have seen God provide so miraculously, miraculously. Mm-hmm. When I went into full-time ministry, when I took on the church and I made that decision and I stepped into it, my father's company started receiving work like never before. There was blessings that started coming to the family, and that overflow started bringing a reserve of finances for me and my wife. Now, again, we're not living it up, and you, you know, we we have a nice home and things of that nature. But, but I just seen God provide, and we're not in debt. Thank God, we we've been able to pay off all our debt, and and we're stable. And I'll say this: in the season that we're living in right now, and as I probably turn 40 this year and starting to mature and just look at the world a little differently. Um, there are no guarantees, you know, you could sink yourself into a career, but there's a, there's no guarantee that the dollar is going to be worth a dollar tomorrow anymore. Right. It's, it's, it's so shaky. Everything is changing so quick and there's no guarantee that, that your bank account isn't going to be slashed in half or third depending on what's going to happen with inflation, depending on what's going to happen with taxes here, even in our own nation, it is all shifting so fast. And the only place you're going to find any security and we're headed there is in the Lord. He's got to be your provider completely. Hallelujah. It's a huge walk of faith, but, but I'm telling you, it's the most secure place to be. And you might not always know what the future is going to bring. And you might not always see 10 steps ahead of you in your planning and your financial planning, but God is already there, and he already has the provision ready, and he'll make ways, and he always has for me and my family. Um, we tie to the church. you know. We get our income from the church. We give 10% to the church. We support two missionaries, and we support three Compassion International children. That's, that's what we feel called to do. And as we do that, and we give back to the ministry, and we sow into there. I'm not a prosperity guy. I don't play that games. I don't I don't like that stuff. But I'm telling you, if you put God's kingdom first, there's always provision that comes in. Always. Yeah. You no, know, and that's Hallelujah. how we live. Hallelujah. Lovely. So Yeah, I just I'm just thinking as you're sharing those things, there was a rumor uh, going around that you can you can put to bed this rumor that for nearly three years you wore the same pair of jeans at Summit, but anyway, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't change my jeans. That's where I say a little bit of it. Everyone thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> I just hung them out and literally he well, he didn't even get to hang them out to dry. He literally wore them for three years. But <laughs> I, I tell people all the time, I feel like I'm a sixty-five-year-old pastor who's technically forty years old at the maturity level, uh, practically as a twenty-one year old, as crazy as that sounds. So I love old motorcycles, I love snowboarding, I love skateboarding. You know, if you're if you're around me. I can hang out with young people all day long, but when it comes to the things of God and what I want in a church or what I'm looking for in my own walk, I, I love the old Puritan mm. writers. I, I read, yeah, and, and that's what I want to see. You know, I don't like the the fancy and the, and the, and the dress up at churches. I'm not looking for church growth. You know, I feel I'm past all of that, even at this age, but, but I, if you came and hang out with me, you would say, man, you, you know, I, I'll go ride a motorcycle with you. I love to go ride dirt bikes. I'm, you know, I love to have a lot of fun in those areas, you know, so it's like a so, weird paradox. So what, what are you, what are you building at the moment as regards motorcycle wise? What are you doing just for some, any enthusiasts that are watching? Yeah, I, I got into some motorcycle building. I build old vintage, uh, Harley Davidson's, um, anywhere from 1969 and, and before. And my major area is before world war two. So pre-world war two. So I have a 1940 flathead ULH Harley-Davidson that I work on, and I'm working on a 1941. They call it a knucklehead. It's, it's the first overhead valve uh, motor that Harley-Davidson ever built, and that's being built. I'm building it just for a race out in New Jersey that races out on the beach. I'll be racing it on a beach. So a bunch of guys get out there, about 400 of us, and we actually just <laughs> take it down an eighth of a mile down the beach next to the water, and we race against each other. And yeah, it, it's a... You know, God actually brought that into my life. I, I wasn't even searching to do that, but I found it uh, a great sabbatical for me. You know, I, I could go into the garage and work on the old bikes, and it kind of relaxes my mind and my heart a little bit, especially in stressful seasons. So it's been a huge blessing. Um, and 
God has provided for it now. He might not be there later, but we enjoy it. And yeah. So. Yeah. Well done. I've always enjoyed that part of you that you've you've, you've managed to maintain a, a, a pretty nice balance of having some activity. I, I again, I think, I think you learn from people like my mistakes. I I was so into the life of the church, which is very, very good, but never developed anything outside of that, which I think it's very healthy to have. Steve there loves, loves the, the ocean and get, he got himself a little boat and goes out there kayaking and all that sort of mad stuff. And uh, I'm starting to take up the fishing again. So uh, just to let you know, I kind of caught my biggest fish last last year uh, after nearly 20 years not fishing. So so if you're watching your lives as a Christian, have an outlet. It's, it's, it's going to keep your level. It's going to keep your mind a little bit from collapsing sometimes. I want to ask you something, Mike, because... Um, you know, when you when when you look at America at the moment, it's 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 not it, it's it's there's such change happening. What what are you seeing spiritually for America and for the world? I mean, it's it's it's. I could describe it for ten minutes, but I think everybody catches it. At the, you know, if you're, if you're any, you were a steward or what? It was an amazing change. Uh, I don't say amazing in a good way. Amazing in since we we're mesmerized by it. But what are you seeing? in America, and what are you seeing in the spirit for the church as a testament globally? Yeah, yeah. Uh, America is in a pretty big mess right now. Um, all our institutions are falling apart, everything. Uh, we are completely divided uh, on racial lines. We are divided. Um, they're trying to divide us in the church uh, it's a mess. It's really a mess. And it, it's it's a little nerve wracking because what, what I see coming is it's a power grab. Everybody's running to get power here in the States and mm -hmm. every side wants power, but it's gotten to a point where they're, they're now going after power uh, without any law or without any any system. It's just if you could get the power, get the power. It doesn't matter if we have to lie, cheat, or steal to get it. It doesn't make any difference. Just get the power. Mm. And and the problem when that begins to happen is that's when societies start to really fall apart. When when you when you look for power, but there's no law, there's no governance. There's there's nothing that 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 brings any type of justice. And I, I've shared this before. You know, uh, God, when He redeemed mankind, when man sinned, He He could have fixed everything just by exerting power. He could have put his foot down on the enemy's neck, on Satan, right at the very beginning in the garden, and said it's mm -hmm. done. But he didn't. He, he won the day through justice. He sent a cross, and he sent his son to die on a cross. And it wasn't just through power, but it was justice and power being exerted in balance. And that's God's character. That's God's nature. And we're created in the image of God. Our societies are supposed to run and be established on that same character, on that same nature. That's how he created things to, to, to run and to operate. And right now we're seeing that begin to fall apart throughout the United States, you know. So it's just a power grab on all sides. Um, everybody is utterly divided. And there's and, and I'm going to tell you where it's all going to lead. There's going to come a common enemy. Right now we're all fighting against each other. But there is going to come a common enemy. And that common enemy is going to become the church. Yeah. So this is this is all culminating into a point now where there's going to be persecution in the United States in ways like you've never seen it. And I think it's going to be heavier than anything we see in the rest of the Western world. In fact, I think it's even going to be heavier than what you see even in China because there's a momentum right now. There's a place of we got to get this done that you see in our public officials, that you see in our, our, our governance. They, they have to get this done because there's only a short window of opportunity to be able to radically change the country. And the Constitution is not going to allow it. So, so you got to take everything you got right now. And I think it's going to come after the church with such ferociousness that I don't think we're ready, personally. And I've had a very hard conversation yeah. with people. Mm -hmm. The church isn't ready. And, and, and I'll be completely frank. We don't have the measure of the Spirit. We don't have the measure of the Holy Spirit ministering and moving in our congregations in the way that's going to be needed to be able to endure that or to be able to overcome that. And um, so so for me, I, I believe COVID, you could say, would have been the catalyst of some of this in the United States. But I also believe it was God trying to get the attention of the church. Yes, and, and, and my fear is God shut down everything around the whole world. And I don't think we realize how serious that is. I mean, he shut every door of every 
church, shut it all down. Mm -hmm. And the question then becomes, why? And that's the question I struggle with. And and the problem that I'm mm. seeing in America is we were in a place where we were just trying to keep the boat afloat, you know? So the idea is, well, we just got to get through it. So get the live stream going, get the sermons out, do everything we can, because we just got to get through this. We got to get through this. And now in the United States, a lot of the restrictions are lifting, especially on state levels, maybe not on a federal level, but Texas, you don't have to wear masks anymore. Florida's making the decision to go all out. Uh, a lot of counties in Colorado are opening their doors. The churches can begin to meet again. And as I sit with pastors and I go to pastor meetings and I just listen, everybody is just looking to get the momentum back. We just got to get the doors open, get the numbers back to where they were, get the tithing the way it was. And, and what's <clears throat> beautiful, what, what concerns me is I don't think we actually took the time to really seek God and be quiet and ask him what it was that he wanted to show us in the season. And we're just trying to yeah. run out of the season. And I'll never forget it. I, I came to Times Square Church right after 9-11. That's when I got saved. And mm-hmm. Pastor David Wilkerson preached the message. And it's always stuck with me. He said, right after 9-11, there was a vision the towers had fallen. And we missed the message. And he was saying, God allowed 9-11 to happen because he was trying to deal with the church and he was trying to deal with America as a nation. And for six months, people flooded into the churches after 9-11 and they were so ready to get right with God and they were so ready. But instead of taking the time to really seek God and listen to the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to speak what he wanted, we went on just as business as normal. So we just went on with church and with good messages, how to have good good lives and good families. And this is what you need to know about this. And here's here's Christian living. And the reality is everybody left the church six months later. So everyone floods in and then everybody leaves. And Pastor Dave got up and I'll never forget it. He said the towers had fallen and we missed what it was all about. And I think COVID has happened. God permitted this to happen. He allowed the government to react the way that they did, whether you believe it was an overreaction or not. He shut down all the churches. And I got to be honest, a year later, a year and a half later, I don't know if I know why. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm not not judging where other churches are at. I'm just saying where I'm at personally, where what I'm dealing with. And yeah. I feel like God, God is beginning to show up. So we have a prayer meeting every Wednesday, and I put a lot of emphasis on our prayer meetings. My heart is to grow a prayer meeting in Colorado. I want to grab a remnant of believers together that would begin to spur on a real revival throughout churches mm-hmm. and throughout our mm-hmm. cities, throughout our nation. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that sounds like rhetoric, but it's not. It's the deepest desire of my heart. And, and we, on our fast times, we'll have three or 400 people there praying. On a normal Wednesday night, we'll have about 100, 200 live stream, which is big for us, for our church, especially good, yeah. for our culture. And in our prayer meetings, the Spirit of God has been showing up in ways where we can't just get to the petitions anymore. We just can't just get to just request anymore. And there's coming this place of of real repentance. We've had three nights of just repentance because I I shared, I said, you know, we want to blame everybody. And I'm talking about our country right now. We want to blame liberals or we want to blame conservatives. We want to blame Republicans for bailing out the banks. We want to blame liberals because they're just printing money and they're putting us into inflation and all we're blaming everybody for everything. And I said, you know where the real fault lies? The church. It's us. And, and you know the story of Hezekiah when he was sick and he prayed for 15 more years before the Lord. He asked for more time and God heals him. And then the Babylonian convoy comes down and he takes them and he shows them all the wealth of the kingdom. And then God tells him, because you did that, because you showed them all this stuff, yep. they're going to come and they're going to take the people away. They're going to take mm-hmm. all this wealth away. And, and Hezekiah, you know what he said? This is what he said. He said, as long as it doesn't happen in my time. Yeah, I know. And here's the reality. The church in America, that was our attitude. Mm-hmm. We don't have to pray. The prayer meetings are dead in America. We don't have to labor. And, and we have taken the blessings of our heritage, the Christian heritage of many men, the Billy mm-hmm. Graham Crusades, the Jesus movements, right? All mm-hmm. these men that had prayed for years for this country went out in the streets, won mm-hmm. souls to God, gave us that godly heritage. We took that like Hezekiah, and instead of preserving it, and passing it down to the next generation that was coming, saying, you know what? We're going to pray. 
We're going to seek the face of God. We're not just going to take that and spend it on ourselves and just have a comfortable life of affluence and wealth and joy and big churches and great, great experiences. But we're going to labor. We're going to come out to prayer meetings. We're going to seek the face of God. We're going to fast for our country. We're going to pray for our leaders. We're going to pray for revival. We're going to go to the streets. We're going to feed the poor. We're going to take care of those that are in need. Instead of doing that, we took the Hezekiah route, and the reality is now we're dealing with the hatchlings of those eggs. And, and this is the truth. We sold out the next generation because what they're going to have mm. to deal with and what they're going to go through is far worse than what we're even experiencing right now. I think there's definitely some truth. And, uh, well, I, I would agree with a lot of that. I think, I think ultimately, you know, when you say that believe in the sovereignty of God, I think God is definitely, it's his plan. Salvation belongs to the Lord. I mean, it's not our plan. It's his plan. It's his heart beat the lost. And I, I, I look at it and I see that you know, the churches have done what they've done, good, some bad, mostly good, in my opinion, um, in, in trying to reflect Christ. But we are coming towards the end of time as we know it. And this is God's way uh, through his sovereign action to lock men and women away with, to contend with nothing other than their own thoughts and their own actions now. And yeah. we, have, we have been hearing, Mike, uh, this is the plus side. So I mean, we, we, we bear in ourselves, in our own emotions, like everybody else, the frustration of not being able to get into church and maybe not have the status quo that we've all liked, whether it was religion or real. Uh, but we, we all bear that uh, for whatever motivation. But the reality is what God is doing is far beyond that. And, and I think that we've become too introspective about me and how I feel as a Christian and my personal rights and I'm missing church. I think all those things are important. I'm a minister. I rely on people coming in and being part of this body. Otherwise, it doesn't exist. But we have to see wider that, you know, God is dealing with this world and uh, it is the, the David says, I was glad when you struck me. It's the wounds of a friend. It's like a surgeon's knife coming in. And, uh, and, and I just thank God for it because I think we are close to the end times if, not, if we're not already in them. And this is God's way to deal with a harvest. Now, for us, we've heard and seen more people come to Christ through just our contacts online than we had for many, many years in-person services, just by sharing Christ by men and women. And there's some even watching today that have come to faith or, or ramped up their faith or took the first step of faith because they were stuck at home. Who am I? Where am I going? What will happen when I die? What happens if the whole thing goes upside down and are searching for something wider? I came from the doctor's office this morning to get an injection in my shoulder and I talked to my consultant who's telling me that he's going to watch Sunday morning. And he agreed with me. He works 70 hours a week. And I said, I said, Morris, you don't want to be, you know, on your deathbed thinking, I wish I could get another injection of Pastor Nick's shoulder. You know, you want to be thinking wider than that. And he said, no, I'm dealing with that. So uh, how many more people, I think if we can see a little bit wider, that because uh, ultimately the, God, God is working a plan. And I, I, I tend to, Error there on that side that there's something really wonderful happening. Those sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Sure. I do sure. worry for the mental state of the church. And I do remember David Wilkinson, just to show you this thing. I remember David Wilkinson one time sharing about altar calls, and it'll touch on what we're saying. He said, sometimes people come to the altar, and, and they're broken, and they're crying, and, 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 and God's dealing with them. And you see people from the audience coming in, and they're laying hands on them, and they're trying to comfort them. And he's saying, don't comfort them. Leave them alone. God's dealing with them. You know, you know, and I feel that from the Lord, God, God is saying, you, you, have, you have to stand back from my church. It's my church at the end of the day and leave them with me. Uh, because Pastor Nick would love to be like the Holy Spirit and be everywhere at one time to the congregations or meeting the needs of people where now everything that we have preached and taught our congregations is that you're the privileged ones here, truly privileged in the sense that you have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit living in your heart, in your home, even though you can't come into that house of God and you can foster that, that relationship with him. And in the simultaneously, God is dealing with those who are far off and bringing them in. And I, so I, I, I want to take a, a much wider view of this eschatological pattern we're in because I, the, the church of every age, Mike, if you, if you, let's be honest with you, we can look at the golden ages of the church from Acts chapter 2 forward to Acts chapter 18, and, and we can see Jerusalem being the epicenter, and then it moves to Antioch. Now you could say, oh, well, the guys in Jerusalem have lost it. We're not hearing so many miracles there anymore. It's all happening in Antioch with Paul and the boys there. And the reality is, is that it's his Holy Spirit moving his forces where he wants to move them. 
and and for us to kind of have a recoil of history in that way would could you by 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 comparison to what's happening did they lose it or is it the will of god and i kind of i suppose a bit more of a sovereign it's a, it's more the will of god the nature of man has always been the same in my opinion in every generation i don't i don't know of any golden era that i couldn't pick apart as a christian minister and be objective on because men's nature is the same but the beautiful thing about it is so is god's and his is salvation and i think the holy spirit is doing a phenomenal job and we have to step up in faith and if we step up in faith something changes being confident step up being confident that god is doing something powerful that's how i see it i i, I there's not much of a divergence in it but i i really do think that i will build my church and i think he's doing it today in ways that we're just going to be a wowed when we get to heaven how many old men and women are crying out the name of jesus right now come and save me jesus no yeah. connection with anybody you know yeah. the story the story will be told one day, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think God is sovereign. But I think we are entering the times in Revelations when you get into that book where Jesus wants to walk amongst his churches again, and he wants to point things out. I, I believe there's a genuine sovereign move that is a very heavy move from the Lord that he wants to do in this generation. And he is doing it. He's in the process of doing it. I think part of that move is that judgment does begin with the house of God, that everything that we're seeing is to begin to purify and to deal with the church all through the lens of covenant. Now, I haven't lost my sonship. I haven't lost my access to God. I haven't lost the promises of God. All of that is 100% true, 100% true. I don't sit around in the church feeling like, well, God has left us and we're abandoned. But I am in a place saying, God, you know, you are welcome to walk amongst these candlesticks. And you are Amen. welcome to speak Amen. to the issues that need to be spoken to. Yeah. And we yeah. want to come into alignment and agreement with you because we want to be a part, although you're utterly sovereign and you're completely sovereign and you're moving, there is a part of a co-laboring with God that we have in some measures through, through the responses of our own faith as he's building it up in the place of our heart. Do I understand those mysteries fully? No, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know it fully, but there is something there. And we are in a place as a church saying, God, we, we, and part of what I think God is trying to bring back to us, and I'll just speak from us, from our church, and I'm not saying mm -hmm. this worldwide, what we're dealing with, is mm -hmm. I think he wants to bring back to us just a spirit of brokenness that we would see things the way he sees them through his eyes. Not condemning. He's not condemning us. But we yeah. would see mm -hmm. the anguish of his own heart of how he's looking over the church and what we've done over the years. And I'm not ripping churches apart, but we got to be honest. In mm -hmm. America, and I'm not going to say this for Ireland because I know the churches in Ireland, and I think you guys are on a different path than we were. But in America... The whole goal wasn't obedience or glory to God. It, it wasn't lifting him up. It was just about results. Well, how do I get more people in the seats? And and mm -hmm. how, how do I get more tithers? And it, and it wasn't about people's lives being transformed. It wasn't about God's glory as the ultimate end. It was a result-orientated gospel. And in that, we started getting rid of parts of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, I, th I, I think there's definitely when you deal with human nature, that that that's that, and this is a great confidence of of knowing the new covenant. That going back to the original introduction to this uh, streams today, the new covenant, a revelation of covenant says that God makes preparations for the bad days as much as the good days. So that, that what what you're talking about is systemic human nature, which never changes. It doesn't change, Mike, in any generation. That's where my difference. We might have greater manifestation of victory, and that's what we were. We are all wanting that and pleased to that. But even regardless of that, you're still the children of God. I, I, I look at the church in America, and I, I do see the spot and wrinkles, and I do see people going down wrong roads that are bringing upon them many piercing themselves through it, many sorrows and mm -hmm. fears unnecessarily. I mean, what, what's what's lost here? is the sense of peace and tranquility and confidence in who they are because because of you know going down you know they're 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 being hammered really by their own piercing themselves through with their own sin and their own folly. But I do see an overarching truth here that this whole salvation thing is not it's not our churches, it's God. You know, it's God is the one. And I and, and so it gives me that sense of massive confidence to believe that that you're you're dealing with an actual reality which I would not disagree with one second. But I think there's an over-comforting arch to that, that even those tepid ones, you know, even those, you look at the book of Ruth, Ruth's a 
caricature of the Christian church when Naomi and Boaz, uh, sorry, Naomi and, 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 and Maha, uh, her husband, what was her name? Um, uh, Naomi and her husband, sorry, yeah. Uh, they leave the promises of God. They go to the world for a sense of solution to their famine. They have church growth for a while. They add, they double their, their, their house number to, to two other girls, but then death comes and she, her husband, her children die. Her, she's left with her daughter-in-laws. But then she remembers because she's the church. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem, just bread again. And that's what I'm saying. The church has always journeyed in and out. And yeah. I, as a Christian man, and you as a Christian man, have journeyed in and out of dipping into a worldview, a fleshly view. And yet it, we always come back. Why? Because we're good? No, because of the goodness of God. And I, I believe that you're right. It's the journey that God has to work us through because of the nature and because of the complexities of free nature. And uh, but to me, the comforting part is you read the end chapter, you know, we're going to make it. I know America, the work of God is going to make it as it's going to be out the world because it's his church. He'll build it. And uh, we're going to be amazed at it. There's going to be a lot of trial <laughs> between now and then. But man, we're, we're going to rejoice with it. And I do yeah. celebrate with you that God is bringing a brokenness back into the into the Colorado because it has been an aggressive church in America in the sense of, you know, sorry, an arrogant church uh, to a point. Now, now a sense of brokenness, it's just like having that hip dislocated again. It, it, I think a change of name will come back into the church. It'll be someone that will contend with God again. And I just, I like that because I do see that as a fruit of coming out of this COVID, uh, a, a greater, a greater manifestation of the characteristics of the Lord. And yeah. you're seeing, you're seeing it there. Sorry, Steve, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, actually, I was, and I was going to, if you don't mind, maybe change the conversation a wee bit because we've, we've one of our viewers today is, is a, a young man called Jamie, and he brought up a question, and I thought it would be good good to answer it. He, he's asking about how does how does a Christian interact in the work? How do we engage with with those who aren't Christians around us? What what are some of the balances and and some advice that that you might have, Pastor Mike? You know, for for, for that. Yeah, I think the first place to start with a question like that is, is you begin praying over the work environment. You know, you spend time in the morning. That's what I did when I was in college and in school. I pray mm. over my classes. I pray over my professors. I pray over people that I'd be working with. And I would ask God, honestly, for divine opportunities and for open doors. And it's amazing how many times God will just set you up. Like he'll just if you're yeah, praying yeah. over it and you're walking through your days and you have a gift of, of speaking in tongues wherever you are theologically, and you're just praying in tongues or whatever it is, God just sets those conversations up all the time. So I would begin in prayer and God will lead you. He'll give you promptings. He'll put a peace in your heart. He'll put a coworker in front of you. He'll give you favor. I mean, I, I've just watched it over and over and over again. So the first place that I begin is, is just every morning praying over that work environment and just asking mm. God for those divine opportunities and then let God lead. God, God yeah. give it. And there's been times where God's told me to shut his mouth. Look at Jesus. Jesus sat before Pilate himself and he had an audience of everybody sitting there, but that was not the time to speak. And God, he shut his mouth. He said, Nope, I'm not shut. I don't need to answer that. I don't need to get into a debate. I don't need to talk. So God will lead that. And there'll be times where he's going to tell you to shut your mouth and just be there. And mm. there's going to be times where he's going to prompt you and say, no, it's time to speak and even give you the boldness to do so. But bathing that in prayer and keeping it in a prayer will keep your heart close to the Lord to, to know where those seasons are. Yeah, yeah just a, yeah, a couple of comments. Let me, read out, let me read out a couple of comments to you, Mike. Uh, Emma remembers you preaching at the Young Adults Week in Evoca two years ago. Had a deep effect on our life and so thankful. Jerry Doyle sends his greetings. Morris Ford sends his greetings. And uh, just so thankful for the ministry of the Springs Church and, and your powerful preaching. So... Uh, you've got some some fans here online that love you very much and uh, are grateful for your ministry. Just before we leave you, Mike, because we're kind of getting to the where well, we're over our hour, but who cares, nobody's counting. How is Beth and the kids doing? You had a recent addition in the last 12 months. Can you just bring us up to speed on the domestic situation? Yeah, so uh, we're doing great. My wife, Beth, we've been married 10 years now, and she's been an incredible blessing. Um. Yeah, she actually led communion at her church last week, and I got uh, Nikki Cruz still. He sits right next to me, Nikki and Gloria Cruz, and he he's a riot to have in church because he's always got a comment. <laughs> so, so he kind of reached over to me, and goes, she's anointed just like you. She's like she's got to do this more often. So 
She's a blessing, man. She's phenomenal. She loves the Lord. And anyway, so we got uh, three kiddos. My oldest, Landon, seven. My my middle guy, Max Racer, he's five. And then our new little addition, Daly Indy Rose. She just turned one last month. So, and she's amazing. So we're we're balancing some things. We're learning to adjust. We we've moved from man on man defense to zone defense because now we can <laughs> outnumber us. Uh, so. And that's an adjustment. We're learning how to do that. But yeah, everybody's uh, healthy and everybody's doing well. So thank God. That's fantastic. Well, give them yeah. our love. Mike, would, would, yeah. would you come back on? Would you come back on in the future? Because I'd love to have you share more on New Covenant. Because I, 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 I've so much enjoyed um, talking to you. One of, and some of the stuff you share in New Covenant, I find very refreshing. So, would you come back on again in a month or two's time and just share some covenantal thoughts for us? Sure, whatever you like, Pastor Nick. Yeah, absolutely. That would be awesome to have you. But we're kind of running over the hour, and I think we're going to. Unless you've got a question there, Steve Bernie, you've got. Have you got something there? I just have a little story. I remember Mike coming over with the team uh, and and helping us on Mission Ireland, and what I did was with my car keys by accident, I threw them in the bin and I had no way of getting into my car. Um, and I remember Pastor Mike was staying with me. That I, it's, it still sticks out in my mind. The only, I had a spare key and the only thing it would open on the Saab was a boot. But Pastor Mike was the skinniest of the two of us. So his job <laughs> in the morning was to crawl in through the boot and pop up the, the, and get us into the car. And I'll never forget that. Just the feet disappearing into the boot of the car. <laughs> so Pastor Mike, anytime my car's uh, stuck, I'll be looking for you. Or, or if, I, if I get locked out of my car, I know where to go. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, well, we'll definitely have some more stories with Morris Ford next week. Uh, we'll, we'll post them online, some of the funny stories of Mike Pitello and his encounters in Ireland. There has been a few, which I, I, I'll have to edit them before we put them up, of course. But uh, Mike, it's been a joy having you here. Yeah, and, it's a uh, we, we, we so love watching you online. Uh, anybody that wants to click in outside of Cork Church, be the best church in the whole world, the next one is prob probably the Springs Church. <laughs> I'm joking. But you'll always hear a word from the Lord there, Mike. Uh, and uh, there's a it's a godly church. I know the founding pastor very well. Pastor Gary Wilkerson is a great friend of mine. And, uh, you know, and actually we had him on here, Mike, a few weeks ago. He's writing a new book on the attributes of God. We had a great conversation about that. But again, Mike, thank you for joining us. I know it was an early start for you and absolutely love hearing your testimony and hearing your view of what's going on in the world today and your response as a church, which is to go back to prayer and, and that brokenness coming in. And I just celebrate Wonderful. with you. I think, I think you're on a phenomenal journey there with them. And send my love to your congregation. We have a great affiliation for the church there in Colorado. Many great personalities that have been over here and I've always enjoyed my time meeting them over there. So the Lord bless you brothers. Thank you again and everybody watching uh, just make sure you tune in Sunday morning for a message. We're going through the new covenant again. This is my body. This is the new covenant in my blood. Remember that again. We're going to talk about the blood of Jesus this Sunday and look forward to having you all with us online and do pray that God will lift this lockdown that we will be back in service again uh, in person service, uh, services in early May God willing. God bless you all. Thank you. Let's just pray. Close our eyes together. And let's pray. We're going to commend Pastor Mike. And then, Mike, I'm going to ask you to do the final prayer to pray for the Irish church. Father, we thank you for Mike, Lord, for Beth and his three beautiful children, yes, Lord. Lord. For the Colorado Church, God, for all the wonderful brothers and sisters we have there, Father. For Pastor Gary and Kelly there too, Lord God. And uh, I think of Nikki and Nikki Cruz and his wife, mm -hmm. Lord, and Patrick Dow, Lord, and other great friends we have over there in Colorado. Lord, we just pray a special blessing, Lord. Keep them, Lord. Hold them in the love of God, oh Lord. Continue to do that great manifestation of your presence amongst them, Father. Use them for your glory. Protect them, Lord God. Provide for them, Lord Jesus God. Lord, give such a fresh anointing, Lord, even when Mike, Lord, is carrying a huge burden with that church, God. Yes, continue to give him, Lord God, words from heaven, oh God. Continue to give him wisdom, Lord Jesus, far beyond his years, Jeez. Lord God. Keep him sane, Jeez. oh God. Keep him sound, oh God. Keep him founded in Christ, oh God. Mm. And may, Lord, the blessing of God flood, Lord, not just in him, but through him, Lord God. And wherever he goes, he will be like those healing waters. We pray this for him in Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. Pray for us, Mike. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, we do thank you, God, this afternoon and this morning for me. Uh, Jesus, Jesus. Lord, for the Irish church. Thank and God, it, it has such an impact in my own life, 
through just the fellowship, the times of sitting in different Irish churches from just pastors and ministers. And God, we just pray for them as a whole. Lord, I thank you. And Pastor Nick reminding me, Lord, we recognize that you will have a beautiful bride. You are purified. You are established. You will not come back to the bride with spot or wrinkle. It will be dealt with, and there'll be life and life abundantly. And God, I pray over that Irish church, Lord God, as you're doing a work with us here specifically, Lord, we can't um, just follow just patterns. We, we have to follow your spirit of what you're doing in every house, Lord God, in every yes. church you want to yeah. establish. And God, pray in Ireland. We pray, God, as they're going through New Covenant in Cork and others are learning, God, you would bring freedom and revelation. Mm. We ask that revelation would flow deeply amongst Hallelujah. the people. Lord God, that, that things would open in ways like they've never seen it before. Things that they've heard a million times over and over oh, and over yes. again. But God, yes. under your anointing, it would open in a way like they've never seen it before. It would bring freedom. Yes, it would bring power, God. It would bring Praise faith, God. Lord Jesus. Jesus. It would bring an endurance, Lord Jesus. It would, God, it would begin reviving hearts, reviving churches, and move out, Lord God. And people who are on the outside, who are coming in, Lord God, saying all the world around us is an absolute mess and craziness and they're coming and they're listening to services or they're they're watching online god yes. they would be so touched by what they see being yes. released from your people yes, or god that multitudes yes, multitudes would begin to come into the kingdom of god oh, father god, we yeah. pray that you would reap in not just thousands lord god but hundreds of thousands and millions across Thank the world god. like never before that this is the generation Lord God. And we don't want rhetoric. We're not praying these things just for rhetoric, Lord God. We're praying these things because this brings glory to your son. This lifts him. He deserves souls. He deserves lives. He deserves people coming to the knowledge of him. He deserves people seeing freedom and deliverance and glory and grace. He deserves these things for the sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. And for his death his resurrection. In the end, it's all about him, him being lifted Jeez. high. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. The Irish church, do you bless them, anoint them, Lord God. My God, my God. In Jesus Thank name. God. Thank God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. The Lord bless you all, brothers. God bless you. God bless you all for watching today. Thank you. Do a like and share if you can as well with the service. So if you can share it on your Facebook page, it gets the message out. Like it. Invite people to church Sunday morning. Do the same thing. It's a great way to evangelize. The Lord bless you all. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in with us today. I hope you were blessed. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com Again, thanks for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.